0: Hello everybody and welcome, the travel addict here, aka Malcolm Teasdale. You've probably heard my introduction before, so I won't elaborate on that. Yes, I am a travel addict, I travel all over the place, that's what I've been doing for most of my life. Anyway, I'm into podcasts right now, and this is one of many I'm going to be doing in the upcoming months. This one is called You Are Never Too Old for Adventure, The Justification. Now, you may be wondering what that means. Here's something for you to think about. Mark Twain, you might remember him. Here's a neat quote from him 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed with the things you didn't do rather than the things you did. Think about that. What does he mean by adventure? You may be asking. Well, I'm not. Talking about skydiving, rock climbing, parasailing, tightrope walking, ski jumping, or snake charming? Nope, none of those. Although that last one does sound a bit interesting, doesn't it? Snake charming. Interestingly, I've seen it live in action. It's, uh, It's a pretty neat thing to say. Well, I'm going to talk about travel on this podcast and about trying to get you to hit the road. And uh, you may have a bucket list, but we'll get more about that a little bit later on. But firstly, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Have these things ever crossed your mind? Are you sick of overcrowded beaches? Are you just tired where everyone else goes? Are you going back to the same old places? Are you looking for new ideas? If you've answered yes to all of those, it's probably time to have a change. It's a good thing. It's a good start. Have you traveled anywhere unique and exciting lately? Possibly The word exciting is sort of relative, isn't it? Yeah, you could go down the beach and have an exciting time. What I'm trying to say here is if you do something unique, do something adventurous, really special, go to an obscure place, relatively speaking, that experience will stay with you for the rest of your life. You'll want to talk about that experience forever and ever to your relatives and your friends. You may not get that right now, but maybe you will when you listen to this podcast a little bit more, and then you listen to my follow-up podcast after this one. Here's a question for you. Do you have a bucket list? Many people do. It may not relate to travel, but many people do have a bucket list related to travel. I have one. The trouble is mine keeps getting longer than rather shorter. The more I advance in age, the longer it gets. Maybe 2021, I'll try and reduce a little. Who knows? Is the word adventure in your vocabulary? If it is, you're on the right track. Definitely on the right track. I've got your attention here. So that's a group of questions really about what can you still do today? What can you still do? You're physically able to do. You're mentally able to do. It's important. I say that with all due respect of course we've got to be able to do these things well can you fly on a plane that is can you walk can you swim can you use the internet Uh, most people can of course that's relevant actually you probably don't understand the purpose of me asking that question right now can you get away for two weeks or more at any particular time can you become further educated can you become amazed and fulfilled Interesting questions, aren't they? If you've answered yes to all of them, you're on to step three shortly. But I want to tell you about this, a little story from uh, me growing up. at the age of 17. I was living with my parents at the time. They came to me one day and said, hey, Malcolm, your mum and I are off to Asia for a couple of weeks. Can we trust you to uh, look after the cat and take care of the home while we're away? And of course, said, of course I can. Not a problem. So they went away, they came back, the cat was still alive, and the house hadn't burnt down to the ground. They told me about that adventure to Asia, and it sounded amazing. I thought to myself, I'm gonna do that one day. I was 17 at the time. Fast forward to the age of 23. I thought, well, it's time to go to Asia. Growing up in England, I'd been away with my friends to Spain, Portugal, beaches in the Mediterranean, those are the places we go to growing up, where you lay on the beach all day and party all night. When it was wearing on me, I needed to do something different. So I asked my friends, I said, hey, do you wanna to go to Asia with me? A couple said, well, I'm gonna be getting married next year. I need to save up, or I'm gonna be getting engaged. Can't really do that. One question was, why would you wanna to go to Asia where there's lots of stuff close to home? Well, suffice to say, I went to Asia on my own. I went to Thailand, Singapore, and Hong Kong for two and a half weeks. It's probably one of the best things I ever did. And from that moment on, I had the travel bug because I wanted to do more of it. It was a bench of learning for me. Learn a little bit about how the rest of the world works. I still do that today. Every trip for me is educational, and it will be for you. If it's adventurous, it will be educational. Anyway, when you travel, there's things you typically can't avoid. I'm making you aware of stuff now. Jet lag, of course, the dreaded jet lag. The worst session of jet lag I ever had or will have in future, is traveling from the USA over to Europe. Let's take an example here. West to east over the Atlantic Ocean. I'm taken out of Atlanta and I' fly to London Heathrow Airport. The flight's about seven hours. The time zone difference is five hours. I get on the plane, I've got an adrenaline rush, I eventually settle down, the cabin staff serve drinks and food, and then eventually they dim the lights. Some people watch movies, of course, but there'll be a lot of cabin noise there. The flight continues, but two hours before landing, on go the lights again, and it wakes you up. Your sleep has been badly fragmented. When you land in England or land at London Heathrow or London Gatwick, wherever it may be, two things may happen. You can either be really tired, in which case you should just go to a hotel somewhere. Basically, what I'm saying to you is do what your body tells you. If you're full of energy, do something. Go somewhere. Eventually, you will get tired. You'll have to take a nap. or will take you a day or two to get over it, so don't start booking really strenuous activities right after you've been on a trip like this. No jet lag you can't avoid traveling to asia typical length of a flight to asia about 14 hours i use that as an example there are a long period of time on that plane where you will get some decent sleep you'll have less jet lag by going to asia that's in my experience okay language barriers not so much a problem these days because everywhere pretty much speaks the language of english which is a good thing back in the 90s that wasn't the case Three countries come to mind where there were language barriers. Japan, China, Russia. Not so much now. Like I said, the first time I went to Moscow in 1991, I went there during the breakup of the Soviet Union. I land at Moscow airport. I started asking people about where to get a taxi. They didn't understand me. I've never come across that before. However, they did understand the word beer, which supports my theory that the word beer is most commonly used word in the world is the most widely understood moving on the subject of foreign food well we know that going into a vacation or traveling abroad that we're going to be sampling some of the foreign food all i'm suggesting is here is that do not eat street food or go into market and eat food over the counter the reason i say this is because i knew some friends that did exactly this, and they became ill, and did spoil their vacation. Especially street food, I would say. You don't know how long the meat's been hanging there in the midday sun. You just don't. And collecting bacteria, it is not worth the chance. Cultural differences. It's worth doing your homework here. We should actually read a little bit about the country we're going to and learn something about the culture each country or region in the world has their own cultural differences you can go to great britain there's cultural differences all over great britain even in england from north to south it's normal and what we should do is respect the country that we're in as visitors come to our country of the united states we expect them to respect uh, our way of life as well for example thailand if you go to thailand Probably do not say anything bad or do not even mention the Thai monarchy uh, in case you say something incorrect. It will be offensive to the local people. Don't point at things with your feet and don't touch the head. Just two things to be aware of there. It's a good thing to learn a bit about before you venture off into uh, far off distant lands. Currency adjustments. This is really basic. It varies from year to year. And the only thing I would suggest here is round off the numbers. Uh, For example, if you do go to Thailand, so if you brought that country up recently, the Thai bar is approximately 30 to 1. It varies up to 31, down to 29, back up again. Just round it to 30, 30 Thai bar to the American dollar. However, that theory goes out the window when you go to a place like Vietnam and you change a couple of hundred dollars at the uh, airport and you'll walk away a millionaire a pocket full of Vietnamese Dong currency. Just be aware of that, but in most places, it should be okay. Now, many, many years ago, we used to take travelers' checks away with us. Many of us did. I haven't done that for eight, nine years now. It's not worth it. There's cash machines everywhere, especially when you land at an airport, there's gonna be cash machines all over there. There'll be also currency exchange booths where you can do exactly that. Change your currency from US dollars into the local currency. If you're staying downtown, there'd be banks, foreign uh, currency chain booths all over the place. Not a big deal. What I would do is take two bank cards with me in case one of them fails. Neither should, but you just never know. The word intolerance, it could mean tolerance. When you go to a foreign country, you're going to see different behavior. Things you're not used to, be tolerant of that. It's like when foreigners come to our country, uh, we should in fact in turn might be tolerant of them. They may act weird, but we probably realize they are foreigners. They probably should know better, but both ways, whether we're visitors or hosts of people, we should be tolerant of people's behavior to a degree, I may add. It's a big and important word for me. Water. Well, rather unclean water. Now, as much as I like India, uh, I am very wary of their water. I've been to injury a few times. I've stayed in decent hotels. I even clean my teeth, or I rather say, I do not clean my teeth with the tap water in the hotel. I do not drink bottled water on the street because is a bottle being previously used. I get my water from uh, a decent store or the hotel before I go out to meetings, wherever I may be going. I'm very wary of the water friend of mine caught dysentery one year, he was sick, and he couldn't even go home for a few days. Mistakes. Yes, we all make mistakes. To err is human, they say. Error, I mean, E-R-R, error, short error. Yes, we all make mistakes. So do airlines, so do hotels, so do travel agencies. We all make mistakes, and we should always be forgiving. Okay, sometimes, you know, uh, people aren't, But sometimes making a mistake can be self-inflicted. If you go to a city in the world and you venture off into a bad area, then you may be asking for trouble. We have enough common sense not to do that. It doesn't matter what country you are in in the world. there's probably a city somewhere in that country that has a bad area. Just don't venture there. Natural disasters. Well, natural disasters can be something we are warned of is advance. Earthquakes, not for example. And uh, one incident that sort of happened to me, I was on my way to Boracay, a beautiful island in the Philippines. I was halfway there, halfway getting there, and there was a typhoon hit there, Typhoon Haiyan back a few years ago, and destroyed the area of Tacloban in the Philippines. It didn't take long to rear its ugly head. It formed quickly, hit the land, people didn't have time to get out of town, and many, many people died because of that. On my way there, I was in communication with my hotel in Boracay, and they were without power, We' so hoping to get that back in a day or so. Internet was down, of course, um, but I was assured everything was in order. It didn't stop me going. I could do without the internet for a few days and uh, if they're on backup generators not a problem. I went there I saw areas of disaster it was sad but after a couple of days things started to pick up and everything was sort of back to normal. Here's a term I call exaggerated fear. To blame for this sometimes are government websites. It's important actually that when you go to a country you should really check on the government websites. Now, of course, I check the US government website, but I will also check the United Kingdom government website and also the Canadian government website. If they're all saying the same thing, like do not go there, then I should probably take that seriously and think twice about venturing off to that land. However, uh, one situation occurred uh, just uh, two or three years ago. There was a, a spat going on between the USA and the Russian governments. And consulates were closed. The reason I say this is because I was going to St. Petersburg in Russia. Now, there wasn't a problem uh, stated on the British or Canadian government website. It was strictly on the U.S. government website. It said, beware, be careful, you may get picked on. I decided to go, and it was absolutely just fine. The people were friendly, had a wonderful time, and I didn't even come near sniffing any trouble. So that was uh, a good thing. I checked all of those government websites. It's important to check government websites anyway, because you obviously need to check uh, visa requirements, the state of crime in the country, also the health situation. Those are important. So you must check government websites, but look for the exaggerated fear. Well, Let's look at some other considerations. One thing that comes up and is looked at as being important is the age of a person. I have to disagree with this. I've met people of all ages on my travels. It doesn't really make that much difference. What does matter, though, is the physical and mental ability of a person. Are they able to travel? It's more important. So bear that in mind. You're never too old for adventure. Do your research on the place you're going to. And there's lots of resources for this. TripAdvisor, the internet in general, and uh, Wikipedia. Now, you can go on the internet, go on Google, and do a Google search on anything. Ask it a question about a place. It doesn't matter what it is, and it will come back with an answer. Believe me, you'll be surprised what you can find out today. The weather. If you're thinking of, for example, going to Japan for half the trip and Australia for the second half of your trip, think twice about that, because you're actually going to two different hemispheres around about the same time of the year, which means you have to take two sets of clothes with you. It's gonna be cold in one place and probably warm in another. If you're closely equated, it won't matter a whole lot, but farther north or farther south you go, do not combine them in the same trip. Also be aware of the climate. If you go to a tropical country, for example, make sure it's not the monsoon season or rainy season. Travel insurance, yes, it is important. If you buy a non-refundable ticket on an airline or you book a hotel that is non-refundable and you have to cancel for some reason, obviously, you're going to get some of your money back if you have the insurance. I book my own travel. So if I book a flight somewhere, it's usually a refundable ticket that I purchase. For hotel bookings, I do everything by myself. I can either book directly with the hotel or I will go to TripAdvisor or Booking.com and do it that way. But when I'm on these websites, what I will not do is book it in advance. Even if I have to pay a little bit more in advance, I want to be able to pay on check-in. It gives me that extra little bit of security. What I use is American Express Travel Insurance, which means I could be airlifted out of a place. For example, two years ago, I was in a remote island area just south of Borneo. It was a scuba diving trip. Let's say I had an accident and I had to find a hospital fairly quickly. Well, I could be airlifted somewhere to a reputed hospital either in Thailand or Singapore or Malaysia, for example, and be taken care of quite well. The healthcare system in these countries, for example, are excellent. At the end of the day, you just have to do the common sense thing. Take a look at where you're going and what activity you will be participating in and make sure you have the right insurance to cover your trip and you will be just fine. If you feel comfortable with all of the questions I have asked, then you're ready to get on the road, so to speak. You've got your travel insurance. You've answered yes to most of my questions. You have the word adventure in your vocabulary and you really want to do it. Go and have a trip of a lifetime. It's time to get it done. Don't leave it too late. Before I leave you today, I'm just going to give you a couple of famous quotes. You may remember this guy. His name is Mark Twain. And he said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed with the things you didn't do rather than the things you did. I live by that. Here's another statement for you. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of Earth all at one's lifetime. Very, very important. Early on in this presentation, I made one comment. I said, if you take an adventure type of trip, the memories will stay with you forever. And also remember this. All the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. All traffic addicts will agree with me on that one. Okay, it's time for me to leave you. This was the first part of a two-part podcast, Never Too Old for Adventure. Next time up, I'm going to give you some ideas that you thought probably were unreachable and didn't even cross your mind. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them and how to make it happen. Talk to you soon, folks. Bye for now.